rolling. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 802, March 3rd, 2022. 65 degrees on this day in 1905 hey. and 13 below on two occasions, 1873 and 2019, and almost 13 inches of snow on this day Oof. in 1985. And before you play the music, might I remind you, uh, I'm terribly excited about this. We're getting closer and closer to me being able to announce ice out dates. Oh, oh no. I love the ice out dates. I love the ice out dates. Above the wow. boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe So, remind us of the ice out dates because you like to take listener suggestions for every single lake in the state. No, no, yeah, no. That's what I no, thought. No, Minnetonka and White Bear, that's it. <laughs> I, I listened to the Krabby Coffee Shop, much to my disappointment. <laughs> and... Uh, my Jesus. God, I've never Paul's, heard such paranoia. The, uh, the only in show my life. I've ever ever prepared for in my life, and he's highly disappointed. And, and my <laughs> my fear is if you're if you hadn't listened to it, I recommend it uh, just as an example of uh, I don't know what the hell it was an example of. You devoted your show yeah. to the precautions you have taken and the preparations you have made right. to survive. What I can only presume you meant a, a nuclear attack on the United States. A yeah. Holocaust, Joe. Uh, I was uh, height did not join in much, but you and uh, <laughs> no, he did. You and uh, Don uh, Joy. Uh, Joy, what help me? Don, Don, you and Don. I knew it had something to do with nature. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you the and uh, Don sounds particularly prepared. And has been prior to yesterday's show. And Kenny, what struck me is uh, I'm, I'm, I could only reach the conclusion that you were not doing a bit. No, of course not. You were entirely serious. Uh, and it's, it wasn't a prediction. It, I, I told you what's going to happen. Kenny, pre- yeah, Kenny said. He didn't predict. Kenny yeah, no, announced. This is, <laughs> this is something I've had my whole life where I absolutely know the future. Yeah, right. Kenny announced yesterday that there will be an attack on this country, an EMP, I believe you said. It's going to yeah. start with an EMP. At 3 o'clock Friday? Yes, at and, 3 o'clock Friday. Uh, Central That's time. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Central, 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 Central time. Central time is John So that we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> followed by uh, a nuclear attack at, right. an hour later at 4 p.m. Right. Uh, followed the, the next hour by a, um, a strategic conventional missiles fired at our uh, nuclear plants. And you, you, even, you even winnowed down what to do in the event of certain wind directions. and uh, Correct. What what direction you might take off and what Correct. place you had in mind and yes. you you painted a, a dreadful dreadful imagery at one Correct. point of you yeah. living in your truck yep uh, and then you but then you even followed that up with suggesting how long could that possibly last because you'll run out of gas and uh, I heard some wise counsel right take well, a, it was it was all wise Joe yeah take a clean gas can that's never been used you could fill that with water. You know, I like that one because I have an unused, clean gas can. So I started myself thinking, well, 
I don't know. Should I fill that damn thing with water right <laughs> yeah, now? Of course you should. <laughs> and and uh, I made one gross, huge, huge error, and it's really thrown um, a wrench into my monkey plan. Um, all of our vehicles have electronic ignitions. Mm-hmm. They're all Ooh. going to be affected by an EMP. Well, I, I have uh, one that doesn't, but it would be like the uh, Beverly Hillbillies moving into... L.A., if you piled everything in there and everybody on it, it would just look like one of those cars in Iran where people cling into the roof. And But it's so old that it has no technology. Joe, your ignorance, you got me running. I'm going out of my mind here with you. Um, we all have to prepare for this. Well, we all have to be ready. We all have to at least think about it and consider some things and build up a supply of what you're going to need in the event of a global holocaust well maybe i could maybe i could see the the necessity in building up some supplies but i wouldn't be building up supplies to go anywhere the hell with it i'm landlocked i might as well be in kiev uh in terms of trying to get out in the event something is Horrible as you predicted will happen. I, I'm sorry, you didn't predict it. You announced it will happen. Announced. Yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't a prediction. It it's wasn't a prediction happen. because Kenny apparently is uh, clairvoyant and is able to see into the future. Help me with the math. That's less than 20. Uh, no, it's uh, 27 hours from now. Is that mm-hmm. correct, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I found myself siding more on the height view of the situation where he didn't seem terribly enthusiastic that he'd. No. Get in the car and take off for Bismarck or wherever. Well, if, if I was younger, maybe. Yeah. But at this point, okay, uh, you know. Okay, there's also a plan for those who are going to shelter in place. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember, you're not going to have electricity. That means no heat in the winter. You've got to get yourself a wood stove so you can at least heat a portion of your home. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out a way to cleanse water. And if the um, if the uh, t- uh, the plant in Monticello is attacked, anything that's coming down the Mississippi is going to be tainted. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I've been obsessed with this and power plants particularly is I, I drove past that thing since I was, you know, five years old. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. always produces a great deal of smoke or steam or whatever it's it is. Steam, or, and you can always see which way the wind is blowing. So mm-hmm. every time I'm going by there, I'm going. Boy, if this thing goes up, how am I going to get from point A to point B? You know, and I've routed maps down to Iowa and over to South Dakota, you know, just to get around that wind. Well, I don't really have a place to go. and uh, Excuse me. I, I'm not going to uh, become terribly worried about it. So I'm putting together my day planner for Friday, Ken. Can you help me just with some of the details really quick? <laughs> you can end your day tomorrow at 3 p.m. Okay. It's, it's done. Well, because I was going to go to the Mankato hockey game tomorrow night. Won't be played. So I, should I not even worry about driving no, that, down to that Mankato? That game will be postponed, okay. if yeah. not no. obliterated from the map. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think you guys should just relax. The sun is shining in the sky and there ain't a cloud in sight. I mean, I agree. You know, it's a gorgeous day. Come on. But I recommend if you want some preparation tips, I will hand it to the crew of the Krabby Coffee Shop. Uh, Dawn shocked me with her knowledge of what she needs. And explain to me the dryer lint thing with wax. Yeah. Uh, that is a, and, uh, a really good fire starter. Uh, one of the things, it's really hard to start the fire like they do on TV with rubbing sticks together right, and doing forever. all that. Um, and what that will do is it'll it'll start and burn, and it'll burn long enough to ignite smaller twigs and branches and leaves, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But well, what do you do? 
Well, you've got to eat your food. No, no. What do you, how do you make one? What? Oh, uh, you take an egg carton, a cardboard egg carton. Yeah. Um, you fill each little egg spot with dryer lint, and then you pour hot wax into it, leave a little bit of the dryer lint exposed. Yeah. And it just it's a homemade candle. And then you take your flint and the dull edge of your steel knife, and you <laughs> that makes sparks. The yep. dryer lint lights up. Uh-huh. You've got a little fire starter okay. there. Yeah. See, what she has done is actually brilliant, and everybody could do that. Just make yourself a bug-out bag full of essentials that will keep you alive for three, four days. And like Hell, you said. I'd, forget the, I'd even forget a flashlight. I, I mean, I'm a poor, uh, I'm a poor packer. Um, in your water thing, you get a couple of five-gallon cans, you know, yeah. brand new. Mm-hmm. Fill them up with water. Mm-hmm. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, GLers, you can find all of that information on the most recent Krabby Coffee Shop podcast. And so, we've we've decided um, there's been some naysayers uh, among my friends. They don't think this is going to happen. Uh, and in the event that it doesn't happen, we're going to have part two next week where we actually have a uh, professional, a guest on. All right. Well, am I still going to get heat then if, if the world does come to an end at 3 o'clock tomorrow and I don't have the show posted? Am I still going to get emails <laughs> yes. from the GLers? Yes, those who have retained electricity. <laughs> okay. If they have to seek you out personally and tell you how unhappy they are, they will. Okay. I, I think it's important to point out that the, uh, the GLer Jake from South St. Paul yesterday, uh, emailed us with what he believed to be a conundrum. And oh, we, boy. We, we basically decided that it was not a conundrum. He found 100, was it 110 or 120? I thought it was 110. Okay, 110 bucks in a wallet uh, outside his liquor store, and he, uh, he used the 110 to buy his inventory. And I, what did he do with the wallet? Took it back thought, in. Yeah, I thought he took it back. He took the, the wallet store. into the liquor store, yep. but kept the money. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, I really have gotten a lot of emails about this. And if if Jake is a member of the Royal Order of Twenty Firsters, I must withhold his uh, uh, membership privileges oh. until he uh, comes to his senses. For example, Joe on the Wednesday, March second podcast, you read an email from a listener who found a wallet in a liquor store parking lot. He kept the hundred and ten dollars and turned in the wallet. And he was wondering if he had done the right. Or correct thing. You and the crew had a few uh, responses. Thankfully, you said it did not fall into the category of common surface savings and loan because you knew who the owner was. If you are truly concerned with the decline of moral and ethical integrity, I be- as I believe you all are, this is a great opportunity to promote the increase of moral and ethical values. The increase begins with each one of us. When we have the opportunity to do the right thing, we must do it and not make our choice relative or base it on what we think someone else might do. The listener chose to keep the money as he felt the liquor store employee may have taken it. Anyway, we can't control what other people do. We can't control their moral decisions. We can only control our own. In this case, he did an immoral thing in keeping the money. There were really only two moral and ethical choices here. First, turn the wallet and money into the liquor store. Secondly, take the wallet home and do an exhaustive search for the owner based on the information available. If you can't find the owner, you take the wallet back to the liquor store or even a police station and let them do a search to find the owner. If we believe in moral and ethical values, this one is a no-brainer. Love the show. Good luck, Dave Cornell. I I certainly agree with him. I, I agree with him. Scott from Inver Grove, I was taken aback by the GLer from South St. Paul in his quandary about returning 110 bucks he found in a wallet, believing it to be common surface savings and loan. 
Any GLer should know that if one knows who the money belongs to, they are immediately obligated by the rules of ethical and moral values practiced in Gumption County to return it to its rightful owner. <laughs> Anecdotally, I was once leaving Canterbury Downs and dropped my wallet in the parking lot. Another patron behind me scooped up the wallet and promptly ran up to return it to me. He said that somebody had returned a wallet he had lost one time, and it was his turn to pay the good deed forward. In light of everything going on in this world and the state of our country, paying good deeds forward is something we could all do more of and do less what's in it for me. Uh, I'm glad, you, you, Mayor, you rendered the right decision. Never afraid and always pushing back. Scott, I'm saving uh, the best one for last. It sounds like Jake better take care of things or there's going to be a showdown. Yeah. Joe, I'm shocked. Uh at the citified conversation you and the GL crew regarding finding someone's wallet, you are clearly not from northern Minnesota. What is this discussion about whether or not to return the cash? Around my neck of the woods, our mamas taught us to find the owner of the wallet, return the entire wallet, and if the owner gives you 20 bucks, great. If not, also great. I'm here sputtering at the concept of taking a finder's fee when I know I could lose my own wallet someday and have to rely on a stranger return it all. My money doesn't grow on trees up next to the border. Does everyone, does everything, including decency, come with a price tag? Apparently, I'm from the backwards part of Minnesota. Born, raised, residing, and now somewhat disappointed in Ely. I don't know why he said Ely. I don't think that story happened in Ely. No. Oh, disappointed in Ely where he lives. Oh, he's disappointed. Okay, got it. I got to remind myself to tell you, I think I told it on the air, but it bears repeating. Uh, I'll tell it after this. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, but this this one, well, well, one more before I get to the one that takes the cake. Uh, uh, Troy writes, I sincerely hope that Jake from South St. Paul was describing a fictional situation when he described removing 110 bucks from a wallet he found in a parking lot. Otherwise, I say this because Jake has confessed to a crime. Minnesota Statute 609.52, Subdivision 2, parenthesis six, defines the crime of theft as including a person who finds lost property and knowing or having reasonable means of ascertaining the true owner appropriates it, appropriates it to the finder's own use or to that of another not entitled thereto without first having made reasonable effort to find the owner and offer to surrender the, prop, surrender the property to the owner. Jake absolutely should have tried to contact the wallet owner or turn the wallet into local Law enforcement, good luck, Troy, is in Foley, Minnesota. Troy? Mm -hmm. That was Troy? Yeah. You know Troy? Troy Hack? Troy's got to know that a a fool and his money, they soon go separate ways. I mean, come on, give me a break. This is from Sonia Romans. I was listening to today's show and was a bit disturbed by the wallet story. It seems obvious that just taking some cash out of a wallet that contains the owner's identification is theft. He justified his actions by claiming that the store employees would have stolen it anyway. What a cynical view of human nature. He should give the money back and let the owner decide if he wants to give him a finder's fee. He asked for input. That's mine. Our family has its own lost wallet story. When our children were young, we packed all seven of them into our 12-passenger van and took off on a road trip from Minnesota to San Antonio, Texas to to visit relatives. I carefully budgeted the cost of every aspect of the trip because we had very little money and no credit card to use as backup. Looking back on it, it was a crazy idea, but we were young and looked at it as an adventure. It was. 
When we arrived in San Antonio after driving through a tornado, losing our luggage rack on a freeway, and finding out that our van's air conditioner didn't work, we we discovered that our original plans for staying with our relatives had fallen through when we were going to have to stay in a motel for three days. In addition, because there were nine of us and we had to get two rooms, by the end of our stay, we didn't have enough money left to pay for gas to get home. On our last day, we went down to the Riverwalk to spend some time letting the kids run around and try to figure out how we were going to manage to get home. As we were crossing the street, my husband looked down and saw a wallet lying on the pavement. He picked it up, and when he opened it, we discovered $500 in cash. There was nothing else in the wallet. No ID, no cards. We decided that we needed to take it to the police station because, of course, someone would be distraught at losing that much money. The police told us they would hold the wallet for one hour, and if no one came to claim it, we could have the money. Well, we went back in an hour, and of course, no one had come for it. The police said it probably belonged to an illegal immigrant. For us, it might as well have been dropped from heaven. We felt terrible for whoever lost it, but all we could do was pray for them, which we did all the way home. Hmm. One hour. That's that's not very long. Come back in an hour, and they came back, and they had all sorts of groceries. I told you the story. A couple years ago, the youngest kid I used to have lost her wallet coming out of uh, taking one of her kids to a doctor's appointment down on uh, West 7th Street. And that put the entire family into motion. Uh, I went down there and looked at the parking uh, lot, and then I thought maybe whoever found it might have walked up the Montreal Hill. So I walked up the Montreal Hill believing that it could have been discarded because it had everything in it, her license, her credit cards, everything. <laughs> and uh, then it occurred to me to go to her house. It was in the mailbox. Oh. No, somebody, somebody whoever it, found somebody it, put it in saw oh. her address, sure, went to sure. her mailbox and put it in her mailbox. Now, it was she, she had just moved. So the house I went to was the one that still had her license, or her license, address, her address license. on it ah. from the house she had moved from. And so whoever found this saw that license, went to that house. I never even knocked on, the, knocked on the door of the new of whoever was owning the property. I just lifted up the mailbox uh, flap outside, and there it was. Wow. There wow. was her. There was her. Uh, everything, Sheesh. and everything was still in it, you said? Everything. 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 Wow. Strange, uh, strange magic. It is strange magic. Must have. Must have been a GLer because they applied the the rules, right? Yeah, but I I think I mentioned it on the radio, and I might even mention it in a column. And I never, no one ever came forward to admit that they were the Good Samaritan. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, what are you gonna do? I can. I wish Rookie was here to mock you walking around parking lots, <laughs> peeking in people's cars, <laughs> looking under cars. Well, I mean, the kid was desperate. What the hell? <laughs> Huffing and puffing up the steepest hill in the metro. <laughs> it's like a ski hill. That thing is so steep. <laughs> oh my God. Stopping halfway, bending over. <sighs> I walked down 7th Street, too. <laughs> oh, there's that homeless person. There again. he comes. <laughs> He's coming around the corner. There he is. Shuffling along, looking at his feet. Yesterday we had the news of. Uh, Kamala Harris being interviewed by the Morning Hustle show, uh, host being the name of Headcrack. And she was explaining Ukraine to the, to the population. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists 
next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And it goes against everything that we stand for. Joe and gang of dummies, while listening to the podcast, a very disturbing thought occurred to me as I was listening to the preschool teacher, Kamala Harris, explain Ukraine. <laughs> I'll bet that's exactly, I'll bet that's exactly the way she described it to Biden when it started. <laughs> Andrew and Annandale. Would you I, uh, call her an evil woman, Joe? <laughs> uh, no? Just... Just dumb. Just dumb. Okay. I, Just I have dumb. an addendum to the head crack story. Yeah. Uh, what do we call it? The thing where you, you've never heard of something and suddenly it's everywhere? Biner, oh, Heiner, right. Miner, Biner, Miner, Miner, Last night, uh, my wife goes to bed a couple hours before I do, and I walk in to say goodnight, and, and she's watching The Dish. And I say, what's this? And she goes, The Dish. They have entertainment news. Moderating The Dish was... Head crack? No. <laughs> yes. That's a Bader-Meinhof. I, I, I looked at her and I went, oh, my God, and explained the whole thing to her. And she goes, yeah, this is the guy that always runs this show. So that's she, why he's got so much money. He has a lot of jobs. Uh, <laughs> now, if that would have been my roommate, she would have looked over at me over the top of her cheaters and said, are you done now? Yeah. <laughs> are you done now? <laughs> you done now? <laughs> so and, I never heard, heard of the guy before, or, and now I, I can't get it out of my head. Or is this a case of your device is spying on you, John? Oh. oh dun, dun, dun. Joe, well, no, cause, uh, Joe cause Roth, turned it on. Joe Rothbar down in Little Elm, Texas, who has the precocious nine-year-old, yes. now nine-year-old, yes. the kid that knows everything about the show. Joe, the nine-year-old wanted me to tell you not to feel bad that head crack is in 33 markets and is worth $19 million. Never forget that used to be, you used to be simulcast in Menominee, Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, his hand went up for a high five. Not sure the kid was alive when that was true, so I must have mentioned it to him. <laughs> hey, Dad, tell oh, Joe he used to be simulcast in Menominee. Right. All right, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Before we take a break, I want to read an email from the chief. Are we in trouble? Mr. Mayor, a few months back I sent the email below, which didn't make the cut, but I think it may be more relevant now than ever. I'll leave the commentary to you in the boathouse if you so choose. See you at the NAC. Chief, P.S., you guys have missed a few groin kicks lately, but I don't blame you. The incessant incompetence is galactic. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. So back in October he had written, Good day, Mr. Mayor, to you and the Boathouse buffoons. The best beers were brought up again on Friday, so in keeping with the GL standard protocol, we better beat this bit into the ground again. I'd like to offer the just got wow. home from another, another month-long Army-sponsored vacation beer. Well, oh, that boy. had to be wonderful. Nice. I bet. Yeah. And after getting home, I tipped it upside down on a night that was too warm for a quarter zip but too brisk for short sleeves. Perfect. Quiz time for you and the dummies. It requires a one-word answer. On this particular all-expenses-paid field trip outing, we were simulating large-scale warfare against a near-peer enemy, basically practicing command and control of conventional forces against the sickle and hammer-type nannies. During training, just like, yes, I mean something similar to, the real world, we must be self-sustaining and mobile to successfully operate in a foreign land with little to no infrastructure support. To accomplish this, we set up command posts with tents, uh, HVAC, vehicles, satellite dishes, radars, computer equipment, and radio antennas, then started playing good guys versus bad guys. Here's the quiz part. Which 
What is the one thing that makes all this possible? Gasoline. Answer, fuel. Thousands of gallons of diesel and gas. Everything listed above needs power, and Ivan Drago isn't providing any spare outlets. <laughs> Side note, during the 24-hour ops, I got a little heavy-eyed, so I stole a little sea foam from a generator trailer to top off my coffee. That stuff works in anything. <laughs> <laughs> Trying nice. to hold the center, the chief. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. He's a hell of an American. I like him. We, uh, we could add another one to... The best beers. Hmm. How about the um, the po- or the pre-apocalypse uh, end of the world beer on Friday afternoon that we're all going to have? Well, you, you've all being Catholics, you've all sworn off it. Well, and I am true. going to be the most angry human being in the world if I go through with this, which I am so far, and we get attacked. <laughs> That's where you're drawing the line. I'm drawing the line. That's break glass, smoke luckies. What do you mean if? That's, I'm sorry, you announced it. You didn't predict it. You announced oh, you've it. got me run. You got me going out of my mind. Jeez. Well, I don't have. I didn't. What do you mean? I do. I'm not the one. Hey, one of these days you're going to break your glass. So don't bring me down. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. Can we can we take a time out? Sure. It's Reavers here for Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk is what he's called around these parts. Josh has been an investment consultant since 1978. This extensive career has given him the experience needed to manage your money in both up and down markets. Josh provides independent, personalized investment planning to individuals and small businesses, including retirement plans. Josh has been doing this for quite some time, and the thing that separates him from the rest is he will always give you straight talk and never sugarcoated advice. When you invest for yourself or for your small business with Josh, you get the same straight talk that you would expect from Mr. Money Talk. You also get an investment consultant who will work proactively with you to create a strategy that fits your goals. You can also hear him at the end of Garage Logic every Tuesday and Thursday with a full report. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. Or for more information, just visit his website, josharnoldinvestmentconsultant.com. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. That open road that you think leads nowhere, uh, you're wrong. It leads right to Moon Motorsports in Monticello. uh, That has more major power sports uh, brands right there under one roof than any other dealer in the area. That means it's the most exciting showroom experience in this here state of Minnesota. It's seriously large. I think, what have I referred to the... uh, Cathedral of Motorsports, something like that. It's big. It's awe-inspiring when you walk in. It's uh, on the south side of 94, in there and uh, right there in Monticello, uh, and of course on the web, MoonMotorsports.com. They are the region's source for four-wheel rigs like Polaris, Honda, Can-Am, ATVs, side-by-sides. But they also sell more exciting European street bikes than any other regional dealer and i shouldn't say just street bikes but all all european bikes right now moon motorsports has the latest models of ducati triumph vmws uh right there in the showroom so don't miss out on getting your new 2022 stop by and visit with one of the euro brand experts right now today moon motorsports they are our minnesota motorcycle atv and side by side listen to this service parts and sales provider they even have gear there everything you can check them out in monticello and on the web moonmotorsports.com uh five eyewitness news five eyewitness news uh 
is it Kirsten? Yeah, Kirsten Swanson. Yes. She had a marvelous piece last night on uh, yet another discovery of what happens the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Oh, boy, now what? Uh, in the midst of record-setting crime in the city of Minneapolis, the person in charge of the city's 911 center admits she does not have the necessary qualifications to run the city's most important public safety department. What? Lynn Anderson was appointed as interim director of the Minneapolis Emergency Communications Center on Feb 19, 2021. So she's been on the job more than a year. Mm-hmm. She took over during a critical period for the dispatch center. The pandemic, riots, and unrest resulted in significant staffing shortages that still plague the department today. I won't read you the whole piece. It was on the news last night. I was riveting. Uh, yet despite being one of the highest paid employees in the city, 158 grand a year, Oof. Anderson admitted last year she does not have any experience <laughs> in public safety. Oh I do not have the, and, and hats off to her for being as candid. So this is from a year ago. I do not have the certifications, the training, the security clearances, the access to confidential information on the subject matter expertise that will be needed in a permanent director, she said to city council members during a budgeting hearing in October. So it wasn't a year ago. It was just this past October. As a result, Anderson was hired. Uh, Come on in. An, oh, Anderson hired an assistant director to run the day-to-day <laughs> operations. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm here to tell you, city council people, I'm not qualified for this, but I'll hire somebody who is. But I still get to clear that check every two weeks. Right. And she goes way back. Her pension is going to put her on uh, Jupiter Island, Florida, if she wants. She goes as far back as being uh, Rudy Purpich's chief of staff, oh. a very well-traveled political insider, wow. uh, Karen Anderson. Uh and I gleaned something from this that's important, and I bet it's true the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings all over the city, all over the country. The city declined to make Anderson available for an interview despite repeated requests. Heather Johnson, the interim city manager, so everyone there's interim apparently, said Anderson's lack of experience in public safety isn't an issue, even though she is the only 911 director in the Twin Cities metro area without that background. She wasn't brought on board to run a functional part of the organization, said Johnston. I'm, I'm sorry? She was brought on board to provide leadership. Aha. Uh-huh. But Dan <sighs> Roller, who represents dispatchers in Hennepin County, said it's valuable when the leader of an emergency communication center has had experience uh, in that job firsthand. Oh, that stands to reason, doesn't it? <sighs> Anderson's appointment came with a six-figure base salary. Since 2017, Anderson has been appointed and reappointed to several interim director positions, receiving significant salary bumps in each post. As you gain experience, you tend to make more money, Johnston said. That's the interim director. Over the past several years, Anderson's salary increased from just over 130 to nearly 150 as she moved from facility services to business information services to property services. My God. Her salary in each of these roles appeared to be prorated because she only works 32 hours a week. Well, Joe, come on. What? <laughs> she only works 32 hours a week, according to the appointment letters obtained by five investigates. Which means, in actuality, she probably works about 15 Anderson is currently making a prorated salary of $158,810 after receiving a $10,000 raise to take over the 9-11 center last year. Oh, my God. 
There's a new sitcom on NBC called American Auto, and the uh, chief operating officer, president of the company, has no experience whatsoever, (laughs) and she's a buffoon, and it's funny, and it's stupid, and this is real life. And it's also a sitcom. And this is real life, (laughs) and it's the same thing. Oh, my God. While it appears Anderson has maintained a low profile at City Hall, rarely making city council or other public appearances, she has worked in some of the biggest roles in government in Minnesota over the last 30 years. She was Rudy Perpich's chief of staff until 1991. In 2011, Governor Mark Dayton appointed her as Deputy Commissioner of the state's Office of Management and Budget. That experience in government is why she hasn't been able to jump from de- is, is why she's been able to jump from department to department, according to current and former city officials. So they recognize in her uh, something that that we she it may be that she's a great utility player. And she comes off the bench, and she can step in, and she can manage a division like that. Uh, Cam Gordon said, former council member. Mm. But here's what I noticed about this: the uh, the interim this director. Unbelievable! It really is. It's this is this is tantamount to you're not requiring violence interrupters to provide any proof of that you're accomplishing anything. No, we don't need that, Joe. Uh, who's the uh, interim director? Let's go back and find her name because it's it's she I wish to take the task. I, uh, Johnston? Yeah, is, Johnston. Is, is that right? Heather Johnston, the interim city manager. <clears throat> While she was very civil to Kirsten, is it Swanson? While she was very civil to Kirsten Swanson, she was, I've got to choose my words carefully. Well, she was uh, almost somewhat bemused that that on behalf of the public, Swanson was attempting to get this information. It's as though, don't you realize we live on our own parallel yeah, rail here? Why are you and, being so nosy? Because twice, I think, Kirsten Swanson said we, we would like to talk to her, and the answer was a flat out, no. No, we're not making her available to the press uh, because she's too busy in her role. Working 32 hours Which a Which she doesn't have a role. Nope. Because okay. she already hired an assistant to All do right. the role she was hired for. Let me uh, throw on my pain in the ass pants and ask you something. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've read the piece, too. I didn't see it, but I read the piece. She's not doing any harm. She's not receiving any complaints. Her employees under her, including the 911 center, who she recently um, took over operations, they don't have any problems with her, correct? Right. So, I'm not indicting Anderson. Uh, I, she she may very well, I, but but it isn't it kind of silly that just because of her record, hey, I know. Let's bring in Anderson. She can sit in that chair until we find somebody. Okay, and we'll bef- pay her 160 grand. Before I take my pain in the uh, ass pants off, um, <laughs> Jenkins, Andrea Jenkins, said something in this piece too, something mm-hmm. along the lines. And if you read this, I apologize. That it's hard to find employees, including qualified candidates. I, I heard her say that. Yeah. All right. All right. But we're just financial slaves to the public class. Look at the library yeah, director yeah, yeah. who got sixty grand because he must have had a crying fit when he, he was, was told that he Joe. couldn't live in L.A. By the way, he did not get the Seattle job. Yeah. Oh. He didn't even get job. a vote. I do have it in the news. Yeah. Uh, Unanimous for the other guy. Yeah. So who he has to rely. Well, they they. See, Boy, these people love their interim. Seattle's interim library director got the gig, uh, not the not the guy. In, but maybe maybe he lives in Seattle. Maybe <laughs> he works in Alaska. 
And Jordy notes that at least this woman might live in Minneapolis, which is a start. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, it, it's hopeless, people. Uh, we don't have, when I say they're incompetent, I, what I mean by that, and I'm including Johnston, what I mean by this incompetency that we're seeing is that these people invariably have come to these positions with no background in anything meaningful. No, no it's back, all about who they know. No background in fiduciary, no background in budgeting, no background in hiring and firing, no background in expecting expectations, no background in you file your report, no background in anything. And, and so it's probably entirely natural to uh, Johnston that uh, it, it's, it's, it's beyond her comprehension why she would have to make uh, Anderson available to the uh, Channel 5 cameras. That's Puzzled. Not, that's what, not, what do you mean? That's not how we do this. Uh, so there you, this is Hennepin County. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in St. Paul. Uh, seven of the 22 city departments, including the police department, currently have interim leaderships. Is that done by design? I was going to ask you that earlier when you were going through this story. Meaning, well, then I can just leave for a different position because I'm only interim. Or meaning I'm less likely to be terminated because I'm interim. Apparently they're just having trouble finding people. Hmm. So when I would love to be an insider here. Um, and I'd like to hear what uh, Anderson's assistant director that she hired to run the day-to-day -day operations one, I'd like to know how much she that person makes. I don't know if it's a he or she. Uh, how much does that pay? And how does that person feel about doing his boss's or her boss's job for well, her? The question you, I want to know, you know is, what I mean? yes, the question I want to know is, uh, one of the two people is redundant. Right. It's either right. the one that doesn't know what the hell she's doing or it's the one who does. Uh, a. Uh -huh. It would be A in yeah. this case. Why, why do you even have this? Why are you just sitting there and getting handed a check? Well, she's a great people person, Joe. She's a great manager. She's a team she's player. Sure. She can step in and perform any function. Um, she's been in a lot of different roles in both state and city government. She <laughs> she gets things done, well, my friend. Uh, let, let's, let's let Lynn Anderson uh, off the hook just a bit. She did tell the city council. I don't know what the hell this is all about. Right. <laughs> they still appointed her. What will be great to find out, too, is uh, you said that, you know, she's obviously working part-time, 32 hours a week, which we all know in actuality it's 15 to 20 hours a week. Whatever. She's, no, again, no, you're, you're ripping Lynn Anderson, who might have a very right. clean right. record. But let, right. me, let me right. finish. But when we find out she's double dipping, meaning she's probably got another gig that's paying her well, six figures. Well, let's not. We don't know that either. Yeah, let's no, not no. Assume uh, I, things like I think that. Uh, Chris is assuming she's only working fifteen hours based on his own. Maybe wow. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe wow. that's it. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, I suppose Lynn Anderson could have said, after the council voted to approve her, she could have said, are you sure? Right. Do you, do you really <laughs> want to do this? Uh, <laughs> remember it's when, just, I have to laugh. I've outwitted myself. <laughs> remember when Ricey had a, he was hired to do a morning show? I do. That? I do yes. remember that. And uh, he wanted me to join him. And, and I said to him, Roycey, uh, it's a sports show. I have no business on this show. What, mm -hmm. what do you expect me to do? Mm -hmm. And Roycey's simple answer, make 
quips. Yeah. <laughs> he quips. Okay, Pat. So, <laughs> when does any sports show Pat and I have been involved with have anything to do with sports? Well, that's true. It does <laughs> start sometimes. I was, and I was trying to get out of it. I know you were. You. I know you were. <laughs> Let's come back with Johnny Heights. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Reavers, pick up the phone. Uh, we've got Mike Schooner over on the line. Mike, you there? I am here, Kenny. Good morning, Mike. You run Schoonover Body Works and Glass in Shoreview up on County E in Lexington, uh, the sh- uh, the sole sponsor of Positive Thursday here at GL. Um, Mike, I I've, I don't think we've ever broached the subject of you, uh, Schoonover Body Works, doing repairs on EVs, electric vehicles. Do you guys do that at all? We do uh, we do work on some EVs, you know, some of your domestic brands that have been around for a few years. Uh, we do work on hybrids and that type of thing. Uh, but the you know the Teslas of the world and the, you know all these fancy electronic vehicles that are coming out, we really don't. Um, and, and the and the main reason that I do is uh, there there there's no easy way to fix them the equipment the tools the training are all really expensive and quite frankly kenny i don't know how long the, if these things are even going to get a foothold so yeah. I, I really don't want to invest the uh literally i think it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and training uh to uh to service these things if they're not going to you know they're, they're not going to be widespread here in minnesota as you know uh, we've been talking about them uh, quite a bit actually this week on gl uh, and one thing that really alarms me is the fire hazard. And, and if a fire does start, uh, putting it out. I mean, this could end your business if one of these started on fire in the shop, like say overnight or something. Well, that's a really good. Uh, that's, a, that's that's probably the main reason why, Kenny. Uh, you know, a wrecked car is one thing, but a wrecked EV is a whole different ball game. And uh, and you are right. If that thing starts going, you you know you are you are just told to get out and um uh you know you could we we could potentially lose you know our building um you know other people's vehicles all that kind of stuff so uh the risk is not worth the reward at this point uh it's really interesting your prediction of them not getting a foothold in this part of the country we're basic i I mean to dumb it down i would assume i don't know for sure but we're kind of a truck and suv market area are we not yeah i mean uh you know so i i have colleagues that are looking into you know servicing evs and spending a lot of money on charging stations and that type of thing and yeah and i just am gonna you know i'll I'll just let's use the the term i'm gonna tap the brakes on this and just see what happens because Cold weather and batteries, um, they just are not conducive. And uh, I, I, just don't, I just don't see this as being uh, a real big deal. I see it as a specialty uh, industry, and I, and I think yeah. there's plenty of, of companies around that will specialize in it. But I, I just, right now I just don't see the, the, uh, the reward for, uh, for, for the short term here. Uh, interesting conversation. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad I, glad I brought it up. I've been thinking about it for quite a while. If you need glass service or bodywork, tires, uh, an oil change, do what all of us at GL do. Call up Mike, Schoonover Bodyworks and Glass in Shoreview. They've been at it for 80 years, uh, one of the best shops in the metro. Thank you for choosing schoonoverbodyworks.com. 
You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. John. Yes. Before you begin, uh, I think you guys might get a kick out of this. Uh, Mark Van Lith sent me a story of a carjacking 100 years ago. Oh. He writes, our local paper uh, reprints old stories of interest. I attach one that may interest you. The story really paints a picture. It's from the Grant County Review in Millbank, South Dakota, Feb 23, uh, 2022. They reprinted a story that appeared in the review on June 22, 1922. Local man received the fright of his young life. Victor Amdahl, a clerk in the Plymouth Clothing Company store in this city, had an experience Tuesday night that he has no longing or desire to have repeated. Victor was driving on the Lake Road about a mile east of Linden Beach Road at about 11 o'clock Tuesday evening when he noticed a car standing in the middle of the road a short distance ahead of him with the lights out. When he got within a few rods of it, the lights were suddenly switched on and the glare of his face naturally interfered with his vision of the road and compelled him to slow down. As he got up almost even with the car, two men suddenly appeared, one on each side of the road, signaled him and called him to stop. In an instant, Victor concluded something was wrong and that the thing for him to do was to keep on going and the faster the better. Accordingly, instead of stopping, he fed the Ford all the gas it could digest (laughs) to advantage. And from all available information, put on a speed demonstration that would have been a credible attraction at a county fair. God, they used to be able to write. No kidding. As soon as the men who had attempted to stop him discovered he was determined to get away from them, they brought their revolvers into play. And Vic says that he heard at least five shots fired. That the fellows were not merely shooting for fun or for the purpose of scaring Mr. Amdahl is amply demonstrated by the fact that one of the bullets struck the back of the car seat about 18 inches distant from him and another apparently struck the axle. Vic escaped unharmed but badly frightened. A holdup had evidently been carefully planned and was foiled only by Mr. Amdahl's refusal to stop even when the bandits resorted to bullets as a means of persuasion. Sheesh. Well, they had carjackings in 1922. Wow. A, a much different response, too, in and 1922. And he applied gas to the old Ford. It had to be a, <laughs> a, uh, had to be a model. Obviously, it was a Model T. What did he top out at, speed-wise? Well, who knows what that would have done. <laughs> I thought it was something about fed it. Read that line again, the gas line. It was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. In an instant, Victor concluded something was wrong. And that the thing for him to do was to keep on going, and the faster the better. Accordingly, instead of stopping, he fed the Ford all the gas it could digest to his advantage. (laughs) That's great. He fed the Ford. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful writing. (laughs) What newspaper again, Joe? That was was from the Grant County Review uh, Millbank. Millbank, South Dakota. Fantastic. Yep. Yep. Nice. Apparently still in publication. Still in publication, yep. yeah. Yep. That's cool. Here's John Height in the news department. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Ukraine, what's going on? Uh, the most recent news we have, Russian forces capturing a strategic Ukrainian port, besieging another Thursday in a bid to cut the country off from the sea as the two sides met for another round of talks aimed at stopping the fighting that has set off an exodus of about one million refugees. Uh, the latest news out of that meeting, by the way, is that uh, the parties have apparently reached a tentative agreement to organize safe corridors for civilians to evacuate and for humanitarian 
Ukrainian supplies to be delivered. An advisor to Ukraine's President Zelensky, who took part in the Thursday talks near the Polish border, said that Russia and Ukraine reached the preliminary understanding that ceasefires will be observed in areas where the safe corridors are established. Uh, the Russian military says it has control of Kyrgyzstan. It's the city they took over. Local Ukrainian officials confirming that forces have taken over the local government in headquarters in the Black Sea port. About 280,000 people live in that area. The use of uh, he fed the Ford all the gas would have, would have been entirely accurate because in those days... Turned them up. In those days, the accelerators were basically called foot feeds. Yep. And you, you still to this day, you'll hear a guy say, feed it some more gas, feed hmm. it some more gas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Wasn't excuse my ignorance on it, but did they have a way to advance the spark right there yeah. in the on, in the, on, on the, the steering wheel on yeah. the steering wheel? Yeah, wow. Uh, locally, let's start uh, with an update to a story we've been following for some time. Now we mentioned it earlier. Chad Helton, the former director of Hennepin County's library system, did not get that same position in Seattle. Oh, Remember, poor guy. <laughs> Remember, he caused some controversy here because, well, he moved to Los Angeles while he had the job and lived in L.A. while he was still running the Hennepin County system. Seattle instead picked the interim library director to be the system's next chief. After coming out of executive session, the Seattle board unanimously chose Tom Fay. Board members spoke over a live stream connection before the vote, most of them in praise of Fay and his leadership as interim director. Last week, Hennepin County Administrator David Huff announced that Helton had resigned as director of the Hennepin Library System. Uh, the county also disclosed a settlement agreement signed by Huff and Helton, spelling out payments of 60 grand to Helton for, quote, emotional damages. And f- wow. And 15 grand to his attorneys for legal fees in exchange for... <laughs> In exchange for a commitment by Helton not to sue the county, uh, no explanation given by the county uh, what those emotional damages may have been. Helton had been under fire since last summer for permanently, uh, permanently moving to Los Angeles and saying that he could manage the library system remotely from a condo in L.A. With a nice view of the ocean. Maybe it was in Marina del Rey where he could see his boat. Prior Lake High School students walked out in protest after a new racist message surfaced at the school, this time scrawled in a girl's bathroom. In a letter to staff and families, Principal John Bezak said administrators were notified of the message Tuesday morning. Uh, last week, you might remember the uh, school's girls' basketball team decided to forfeit the rest of its season because a student athlete found a note saying, get off our team monkey in her gym bag. The school said it's working with an outside firm to investigate the messages. Earlier this school year, Prior Lake High School dealt with two separate incidents involving racist videos. While Wednesday afternoon, student walkout was not a school-sanctioned event. The school brought in additional police to secure the campus perimeter to provide, in their words, a safe environment for students. So go back to the note found in the gym bag and read that paragraph again, please. Uh, last week, the school's uh, girls' basketball team decided to forfeit the rest of the season because a student athlete found a note saying, get off our team monkey in her gym bag. Uh, what are the chances of that being? Why would you cancel the whole season, I wonder? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Because it, it happened to one player right. on the team. 
Well, I, I hope it works out. For I think case. there's probably more, and I think that's why they brought in an outside team to investigate. Well, and right, unfortunately, yeah. we've seen a lot of this lately with New Prague a couple of weeks ago, and we've seen it in other places, so right. unfortunately. Right. Uh, we now know a lot more about that hostage situation we talked about yesterday. Uh, it happened in St. Paul a few days ago. They have filed charges against a woman in connection to the situation. It was at a gas station. 31-year-old Kanisha Dion Wiggins, charged with four counts of kidnapping for ransom, reward, or as a shield. Each count carries a maximum penalty of 40 years in jail and a $50,000 fine. Uh, we found out uh, this is how the whole thing went down. St. Paul police responding to the Speedway gas station on Johnson Parkway about 3.10 in the afternoon Tuesday after reports of a hostage situation. A criminal complaint says a male reported to police that his girlfriend had texted him saying she was being held at gunpoint in the store. When officers got there, they saw Wiggins, a former employee of the Speedway, holding a pistol in the common area of the store. The complaint says officers noted she looked agitated and was pacing. Mm. Officers tried to negotiate with Wiggins by phone and a public address system, according to the complaint, and Wiggins said if she couldn't speak to her father, who's in a federal prison, that she'd start shooting hostages. Oh, she, added, she added she'd send out one of the hostages because she wanted her to get her phone out of her car, but if that hostage didn't come back, she'd start shooting the other hostages. During negotiations, one of the hostages sprinted out was taken to safety by police. The complaint then says a gunshot was heard and officers forced their way into the store by shooting and prying out a panel of the door. Once they got inside, officers helped the other three hostages out and found Wiggins in a storage room. Police also found a black and silver handgun with a 9mm round in the chamber. One of the hostages said uh, Wiggins was frustrated when the one hostage didn't come back, fired the gun, but not at anyone. Another of the hostages said they were held in the store for about an hour. According to another hostage, Wiggins walked in, said she needed help and a hug, and that's when she pulled out the gun, starting Oof. the whole chain of events. If, if this was in your, if this was in your story, I missed it. I thought she uh -huh. went in there and uh, ha wanted them to call her father, who was in federal prison. Is yeah. that is that in there in your story? It was. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. she okay. she wanted to talk to her father, right, who was right, in federal right, prison. I right. said, yeah. So, uh, is there a medication issue there? Yes, uh, I, I, I also think so. Yes, read the term what do we call problem. those? E, uh, EDP, emotionally disturbed person. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, you could send the violence interrupters if they weren't afraid of the violence. <laughs> right. Right. Members of the Minneapolis Park and Rec's board have decided to eliminate any registration fees for all youth programs, activities, and sports leagues at certain locations starting this summer. Board officials announced the change, saying the fees were eliminated at parks, rec centers, and facilities that are located in what's called a census-designated area of concentrated poverty, also known as an ACP. The policy will apply to Minneapolis residents who are 17 years old and younger and who sign up for summer activities at a site located within an ACP. Uh, really quick, because I just got a bulletin here about, uh, I think we talked about this when we were not recording the show, but how RT has shut down American operations, Russian mm -hmm. television. Yeah. Yep. yeah. There's another thing I, I, I wanted to bring up and forgot to when we were talking about the Russian situation. What Marvel not releasing the Batman movie in Russia... What, what, what is uh, that? Stop, stop, stop. You're not no. a comic book guy, obviously, because Batman is not a Marvel character. Sorry, whatever. I thought it was Marvel. Who, <laughs> whoever. It's not a Marvel. It's not a, it's, oh, yeah, I'm a comic book nerd. It's okay. not oh. a uh, Marvel. Okay. No. You're missing the point here, John. Whoever's not, not really. releasing that. Well, you, you will get letters about this. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> whoever is in charge of Universal Studios, whoever it is releasing the Batman movie saying, no, nope, we can't send the movie to Russia. Is that going to cause Putin to go, oh, man. 
No, it's not. We're, we're not getting no, Batman. But, now it's but time it, to. It's just they're jumping on the, the, well, for lack of a better term, bandwagon, and everybody's kind of doing that. I have uh, a better question about the Batman movie. Do they make yeah. one every two years? Yes, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I really made John mad. I didn't think that was going to get no, his blood boiling. No, you didn't It didn't make me mad. Oh, I'm just, yeah, I don't want you to get the letters. Okay. John, DC, our, uh, DC is the comic book group that makes Batman comics. Our podcast. Marvel's are completely different. Can, can you knock <laughs> off the nerd talk for a second? <laughs> My God. Uh, our like podcast Spider-Man, partner. like that's a Marvel character. God, every Spider-Man. show I work on has to have a comic <laughs> book nerd. Jesus. Batman, Batman, Superman, they're DC, definitely, Green Lantern, Aquaman, be and Marvel is Spider-Man, fa- Iron Man, Thor, <laughs> Captain America. Those are Marvel comics. If, in fact, um, what I said is going to happen tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central doesn't happen, uh-huh. I'm not going to yeah. be there next week, yeah. uh, Wednesday, for the podcast. You and Dawn, the two biggest nerds I know, <laughs> can talk about this uh, incessantly for 45 uh, minutes. Okay. Two huh. different... Two different truck convoys traveling east under the American Freedom Convoy umbrella are set to cross into and through Minnesota. Uh, one convoy should hit Fargo around 5 this afternoon, then head into Minnesota, and it'll be in Sauk Center, according to a recently updated online schedule. On Friday morning, the group then hits I-94, taking what's called the Midwest route. The second convoy should be in Sioux Falls by this afternoon, where they'll spend the night. Then on Friday, the participants will take I-90 across southern Minnesota through Albert Lee and to Oakdale, Wisconsin. The recent Canadian convoy was a protest against mandates, but as of now, there aren't a lot of mandates to protest for these groups. The only federal mandates in place require people to wear face masks on public transportation, like planes and in airports. A Biden administration rule that would have required large companies to ensure employees were vaccinated or tested weekly was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. That federal mandate ends at the end of the month, doesn't it? I seem to remember something around like 28th or something like that. Of March? Yeah, for, for the planes and public transportation. I'm not sure. Hey, uh, you keep going. I will look it up. Joe, really quick, okay. um, wh- which one is your favorite uh, Marvel comic? Because mine's Justice Spider-Man. League. Justice League is Justice another. League is DC, Chris. Justice League is DC. I gotta tell you, <laughs> you did that on purpose. Comic book guy. I-, I watched. That's like, weird to me. Yeah, it's never a comic book. Guy. Two minutes of the Spider-Man movie. It's unwatchable. It's garbage. Well, the movies suck. The comics were great. I said suck. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. No, I don't like that. Uh, anyway, you, Joe, you at? were right oh. in the era when Marvel hit, which surprises me. I know, but I've just never... Uh, Archie and Jughead, I kind of read those once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they were good. Yeah. Well, Marvel were... Uh, I mean, they were smart. They were for smart kids. Mm-hmm. Well, Aquaman. That, I guess you didn't get them. Right. Yeah. Aquaman, too. Aquaman <laughs> was a really good uh, Marvel. That's DC, uh, Chris. Oh. I'm not going to fall for this the rest of the show, okay, because I know what you're doing now. In more news. Wait, wait oh, man. stop. Uh, federal <laughs> mask mandate ends March 18th. March 18th, okay. Yes, thank you. A man charged in a shooting that led Brooklyn Park Police on a wild chase is free again. This is unbelievable. We could do this every day. We could, yeah. 45-year-old Terry Johnson of Brooklyn Park faces one count each of possession of a dangerous weapon, possession of ammo, and second-degree assault with a dangerous weapon. After the incident last week when Brooklyn Park police responded to the 6600 block of 83rd Court North to reports of multiple shots fired. According to police, he fired rounds indiscriminately upstairs and downstairs, penetrating at least five different condos and homes before fleeing a townhome by reversing straight out of his own garage, splintering the door as police arrived. If you've seen the video, eventually they had to run into him to stop his car. Also in that shooting, 
uh, a neighbor was hit in the leg, luckily was smart enough to put a tourniquet on his leg or could have ended up bleeding to death. But less than a week later, he's now been released from custody. After Midwest Bail LLC posted his $100,000 bond on Monday. jeez. When asked by Fox 9's Paul Bloom, the Hennepin County Attorney's Office wouldn't comment about not charging Johnson with fleeing or injuring police as part of the chase. The complaint says the state would be seeking an upward durational departure during sentencing, considering the case is more serious than other similar offenses. And by the Uh, way, credit to Paul Bloom, because he absolutely went after these people on Mm, social media. Didn't one of the coppers get a concussion? Two of them did. Yeah. Two, yep. Uh, Johnson, by the way, was prohibited from owning a firearm before this because of a previous third-degree assault charge. So that shouldn't factor into anything either, huh, John? <laughs> I guess not. Apparently not. What's Midwest well, Bail LLC? I'm sure it's just a bail company. Somebody Are they tied in knows? with the Freedom Fund? I wonder who if the Freedom who? Fund ponied up the money. I don't know. So if it's hundred grand bail, what'd you need, Ten grand. Ten grand, right? <laughs> yeah. This guy's a bigger threat than climate change. I think so. Mm-hmm. Do you guys see the uh, dash cam video of this? Sure did, Ken. Yeah. yeah. I, are you guys like me? I where I'm cheering and the kind of coaching the officer driving the <laughs> yeah. car because he's he tried a couple of a pit maneuvers a couple of mm-hmm. times and I'm like, get over to the left now, slam it into him. Come on, let's go here. <laughs> what that's a Minnesota's... dangerous situation, man. He ogled oh, in yeah. between two police cars. And then the guy comes up, uh, the, the other cop with the dash cam comes up behind him, and uh, I couldn't do that job. I, I have a question. Was he that's... armed at the time he was apprehended by the police? Because there's a reason I'm asking. That's a good question. Because obviously I, he had... I don't think that's mentioned in the story. I didn't right? see it either oh, when, I read it, I when I read it yesterday. I assumed he was. Maybe I did wrong, too, maybe. and I'm wondering, based on what happened recently, if that's why officers were reluctant to fire. I don't right. know. I don't know. They did hold their fire in uh, the dash cam vid I saw. One of Minnesota's largest beer distributors has agreed to be acquired by another distributor and will lay off 180 employees. Uh Uh-oh. J.J. Taylor Distributing Company of Minnesota and Breakthrough Beverage Group jointly announced an agreement for Breakthrough to acquire J.J. Taylor and its 600-square-foot warehouse in northeast Minneapolis. J.J. Taylor's website says it has become the largest beer distributor in the state after acquiring the beer uh, distributorship known as Eastside Beverage in 1985. As a result of this, J.J. Taylor plans to lay off about 180 employees from its northeast Minneapolis warehouse starting on May 30th. A worker adjustment and retraining notice filed with the Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development says Breakthrough may be interested in rehiring most of those employees at a later time. You may have seen this on the Internet. Speaking of beer, Legendary Larry is from Minnesota and just turned 100 years old. Larry got a gift. He was recently uh, presented by Grain Belt with 100 beers for 100 years. Greenbelt tweeting, he drinks a lot of premium every day to keep him young. Cheers and hope you had a great birthday, Larry. <laughs> a lot, Joe. Did you catch that? Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> Larry's daughter, Janice Bish, says Larry was born on a farm near Cleveland, Minnesota in 1922. He served during World War II, was stationed in various locations around the U.S. and Philippines. He started drinking grain belt, she says, back in the 1970s when the beer he used to drink became unavailable. Janice says nowadays he sets a bottle on the counter and he has little sips throughout the day. Leading up to Dad's 100th birthday, she wrote to Grain Belt, which was bought, of course, by the Shell Brewing Company of New Ulm, 
to tell the Minnesota brewery about her dad's love for their beer, including a picture of him drinking a premium and a video of him quoting one of their old slogans. They loved it so much, they surprised Larry on his birthday with 100 beers, a grain belt sweatshirt, and a giant grain belt birthday card. Larry says one of the secrets to getting to be this old is drinking grain belt beer, although he says he also keeps active by walking and doing exercises daily. He says you also have to stay curious because, quote, it keeps you going. The uh, This was part of your newscast yesterday. We discovered the joke about... Uh, uh, Neil Armstrong saying, good luck, oh, Mr. Yeah. Gorski. Well, yeah. Kelsey wants to know that that's not factual. It did not oh, happen. Oh, man. Yeah, I also really? read that. But that's, you know, yeah. uh, come on, Buzzkill Kelsey. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. Buzzkill Kelsey. The, uh, the legend has been laid to rest by NASA transcripts of the Apollo 11 mission, which record no such statement having been made by Armstrong. Armstrong himself said in late 95 that he first heard the anecdote delivered as a joke by comedian Buddy Hackett in California. Oh. All right. All right. Man, that's that's a shame. Actually. By the way, uh, watch uh, Buddy Hackett tell the duck joke on Carson. I watched that the other day. Well, I I can sometimes spend a lot of time <laughs> watching uh, Rickles and uh, uh, yeah. Buddy Hackett and Frank Sinatra and uh, Dangerfield on uh, yep. Dean Martin. Dean the Martin, Martin appearance uh, on uh, uh, Burt Reynolds. Uh, on Carson when it was a real when late night television was real and not political. I wouldn't watch any of these nutcases you got on. Now. The last good one was Letterman. Oh, I thank think. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Mister Blue Sky. Yeah. Well, I actually think he's right. I, the, the 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 people that are on now are all hacks. Well, yeah. Well, compared mysterious. to Carson, there's nothing to. Do. But and Carson was good. Carson. If you watch the reruns of Carson, he was political during the monologue. But so. Both sides, but so comfortably, so civilly. Yeah, he would he would go after uh, Carter when Carter was in yeah. office. Then yeah. he'd go after Reagan yeah. when Reagan was in office. Yeah, so right. it wasn't. Yeah, there was yeah. no there was no sides. He didn't right. choose a side. Right. Yeah, no. The the, the the Jimmies, the two Jimmies, openly promote their cam, uh, uh, candidates, right. and they're the lefties. I, right. I cannot watch Fallon. I, 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 just I can't, can't watch any of them. I don't John. watch any of it anymore. I yeah, I don't. I don't either. I, I don't see. Well, any I'll even go. Conan was pretty good. I liked Conan when yeah. he was on. When he was after, uh, when he's on Conan. late night. I liked him when he had the talking dog. Oh my God! The attack dog or the insult dog? Uh, Triumph, the Triumph. insult Triumph. comic dog. Triumph. Yeah. When he went to the Star Wars convention, that is oh, some of God. the most genius is... writing I have ever seen in my life. Well, it's not even writing. You're right. It's not. It was improv. Ad, yeah, it's ad lib. Yeah, that's yep. true. Yeah. Uh, in national news. Oh, I'm going to watch that right now. No, no, you're oh. not. I, I actually, Chris, I have a DVD. Maybe you do can, not. Next time I see you, I can, it's got all the bits. All oh, that's hysterical. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's got the really long microphone with his big paw in there. Yeah. And the cigar. <laughs> <laughs> it's holding the cigar. <laughs> oh, in uh, in uh, national national news, uh, Trump advisor John Eastman's emails might have evidence the former president and associates committed crimes and tried to prevent Congress from certifying the election. That, according to the House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection, uh, they said that last night in a late night court filing. The first public signal that the committee is looking into criminal activity by those within Trump's inner circle. Meanwhile, a military veteran from Alabama pleaded guilty yesterday to seditious conspiracy, oh. admitting... He worked to keep President Biden from taking office through violence on January 6th. 
A plea deal reached on the same day as the federal prosecutor opened the first criminal trial in connection with the Capitol riot. And the first such agreement, a landmark win for prosecutors, uh, they said 33-year-old Joshua James pleaded guilty to obstructing an official proceeding, faces 20 years in prison. However, he has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. Uh, based on how helpful he is, he could face less than seven years in prison. James also admitted that Stuart Rhodes, leader of the Proud Boys, instructed him in the weeks before January 6th to be ready to report to the White House grounds to secure the perimeter and use lethal force, if necessary, against anyone who tried to remove President Trump from the White House. James also acted as a bodyguard to Trump confidant Roger Stone in the days surrounding the January 6th rioting. My friend Scott, your trusted and weary mortician, uh, says he has a friend in Texas who manages over a million square feet for Brookfield properties. He told me that certain electric cars are not allowed in their ramps for the potential fire hazard. Another problem that electric cars present for building managers is that the charging stations take up prime parking space. Next problem for them will, will be to provide AD access in addition to prime parking. Meanwhile, Rome burns. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good news for Colorado drivers. You can now smile when you get your driver's license picture taken. Ooh. Colorado Department of Revenue confirmed details of a memo forwarded this week by an employee from the State Department of Motor Vehicles. The memo says that as of February 23rd, DMV employees can allow people to smile in their photographs with open lips and visible teeth. The memo added staff can allow but not promote smiling. A natural expression, such as uh, those intended for comedic effect, like sticking your tongue out or over-exaggeration, will not be permitted, according to the memo. Grins and smiles were allowed before, but smiles had to be subtle to ensure licenses satisfied real ID standards. Real IDs are the state IDs acceptable under federal standards. Photos without big smiles are thought to be easier for facial identification software to understand. Whatever happened to real ID? What do you mean? Oh, do we still have to do it? Extended it again. I think they extended oh. it to October of twenty-three. But at that point, won't don't everybody have a date. renewed driver's license anyway? Well, because but they don't automatically do. How do you know if you have oh. a real ID one? It's got. Uh, Why don't you hold yours right up to here, the camera and we'll tell you? Yeah, it's got a little like I can't remember what insignia. Mine says or enhanced driver's license. I think you're good. That just means that you're. Special. It says on here that I'm a senior. In, yeah, in a certain way. Yeah. A senior. Does it still have my motorcycle? Yes. Sir, yep. why were you swerving all over the road? Let me see your license. Oh, oh okay. That's why you you be careful, sir. Maybe yeah. head home. It's getting dark. No, I think this is the enhanced <laughs> means. It's the uh, real ID one. Uh, you guys have pictures of your ancestors from the 1800s or do you want 1900s? some oh I do. No, I yes don't. so answer Good me this and maybe this has come up on gl before my dad and i are looking at old pictures of our family from well, the but that was a fun afternoon huh it was i'm, I'm exploring the uh, family history all wow. of these pictures not one of them smiling oh. ever they all yeah. have oh, sour pushes yeah. yeah i have some old ones of there there's a lot of smiling going on oh there is yeah yeah. And we couldn't figure it out. We figured it's either bad teeth or it's outdoor plumbing that makes them so angry. Could. Outdoor could've plumbing. Could've the oldest picture I ever saw of a relative was uh, my grandpa uh, getting on, not getting on the boat, but standing on the dock to get on the boat in Odessa, Russia, to come here. And oh. he didn't look happy. He just oh, looked Oh, wow. Kinda, really? Yeah, he looked very uh, solemn. 
That's Could you put a year on that? 1914, I think I was told by my grandma, I believe. Wow. So, that's cool. Yeah. I wish I wish when I was living, I think we've had this discussion, I would have hit her up for more of that stuff. Yes. I just happened to find that one day and went, what is this? The one Stole regret me. I have is the, the, the grandma that was born in the sod hut. Yeah. Uh, she raised her two boys uh, who were infants at the height of the Spanish flu. And I wish I would have known yeah. Right, yeah. that yeah. to say, how did you do it? Where did you go? How, how were you lucky? Did uh, they just stay in the hut? Way too late now. That's, and that's what I'm doing with my dad because he was smart enough in the 70s and 80s to start interviewing his relatives. Yeah. And so now all that crap's being passed down to me. See, I'm, I'm at the at the point now where there's nobody left to ask any questions. I know. Mm-hmm. you got to get in before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yep. Former President George W. Bush offered some unique insight into the psyche of Vladimir Putin this week, talking about an exchange the world leaders had that involved their pets. W is headlining a benefit fundraiser for the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center, recounted the story of how he once hosted Putin and introduced him to his Scottish terrier, Barney. You guys remember Barney? I introduced Vladimir Putin to Barney, our Scottish terrier, and he dissed him, Bush told the audience. He continued, a year later, Laura and I went to visit him in Russia. This was before he decided to be with a gymnast 30 years younger. (laughs) Taking a shot there. I think he took a little shot at the Vlad. He did. And he said, I want you to meet my dog. I said, yeah, sure. I'll never forget, outruns this huge Russian hound. And Putin looks at me and says, bigger, stronger, and faster than Barney. Continuing his story, Bush added that he relayed the antidote to the Canadian prime minister who responded, at least he only showed you his dog. Wait. Wait. Huh? Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. I should have given you a heads That's up. Okay. That That's happens. okay. Thank you, you're, John. Okay. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, folks. John Madden here, and you're listening to Garage Logic. I mean, the mayor, he's the guy that, that runs that thing. I mean, I mean he's the guy that, that takes care of all that stuff the mayors do. Fireworks, starting up stuff, cylinders. You know, he's, he's Joe Shustra. I mean, the mayor. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from our friends, the Traveling Lymans. It was on this day. March 3rd. Minnesota Territory is signed into existence by President James K. Polk. The territory has a population of uh, Indians and 5,000 white settlers and includes present-day North and South Dakota east of the Mississippi River. Postal Service would release a three-cent centennial stamp on this date in 1949. Mm. On this day... March 3. Fillmore County was uh, created honoring President Millard Fillmore. Big deal. On this day, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. F counties, please. F. Fairbull, Fillmore. Why am I having a little mental block? Uh, well, there's a hole in your head where the rain comes in for one. Fillmore, Fairbull, Fillmore. I don't know. I'd have to look them back up. Oh, co- no. You can't have your dauber down here, Minnesota counties. Just give me the first one and I'll get it's it. It's Fairbowl. It has Fairbowl, to be. Fillmore, it, uh, Freeborn. That should be something you just can't get out of your head. You've got Faribault, Fillmore, Fillmore, and Freeborn. Fairmore, Fillmore, and Freeborn. There's two there, Chris. I got it. 
In, on this day in 1855, St. Louis County, the largest at 6,611 square miles, is established. St. Louis, St. Louis, Stern, Stevens, and Swift. Where, where uh, is St. Louis County? Sorry, uh, uh, Duluth. Boy, there's an open road that leads to nowhere. And in 1990, a team led by Will Steger completed a 3,800-mile international trans-Antarctic expedition. So congratulations to Will, who later brought a block of ice to the state fair to demonstrate global warming right? by being shocked that it would melt in August. I really want to talk to him about surviving an apocalypse, but I'm worried that he's going to remember or realize that I'm part of uh, the Negative Nelly show, Yeah, and uh, he'll refuse. You got the counties up still? Uh, I ju- yes. What are the S's? Your S counties are. Oh, you're, are you losing your touch with the counties here? St. Louis. St. Louis, Stern, Steele, Stevens, and Swift. You missed one. You missed. Whoa, you missed a several. Well, give me them then. It's St. Louis. St. Louis. Scott County. Scott. That's uh, Shakopee. Yep. Sherburn County. St. Louis, Scott, Sherburn, Steele, Stevens, and Swift. Sibley County. Sibley. Golly, I'll have to re-memorize. Uh, unfortunately, your broken dreams uh, have got to end. Uh, you're running away with this, Ken. He really is. Yep. He really is. Who's running away with it? Kenny. Running away with what? Let's well, wrap her up, Such. So earlier today, uh, before you joined the show, the <laughs> three of us... tell him? Yeah, oh, why wait, not? I'm not done. T- I'm oh. not done. Oh, boy, there's oh, more. Oh, not done. Yesterday, more show on this day in history, we noted that the uh, Uncle Hugo sci- science fiction bookstore opened. Yes. Uh, whatever year did. that was. And I have a note from uh, Dave who wants us to know four. that uh, Uncle Hugo's and Uncle Edgar's were burned to the ground during the riding in 2020, and they have yet to rebuild back yes. better. Oh. I actually knew that I should have mentioned Should have. But look at this. I just noticed on Twitter uh, Steely Dan is trending, and that gives me I a, saw that, too. Yeah. gives me a good idea for tomorrow, guys. Okay. What's that? Oh, I think I know, yeah. Yeah, but John won't be here. Oh, oh, I won't be here. That's then right. we're not yeah. playing. Okay. <laughs> by the way, that was the, uh, the the official count, by the way. Kenny won nine, John had two, and I only had one. Oh, no, I got Kenny what at ten. What are you ten, talking about? Me at, me at three. What we had decided to do before I, you... I slipped in a whole bunch right at the end. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. I should I be up around Ken, 12 Kenny's or got, you got No, you yeah. got ten. I got three, and Chris, you got one. We decided that um, before you joined the program, the three of us were discussing... Actually, those two had started talking first while I was adding I don't think we should tell them. I think we should just play them. You're sneaking in lyrics? We were sneaking in ELO <laughs> lyrics throughout the course of the program today. Okay. Throughout the course of conversation. That's funny. That's, fu- that's funny we, stuff. You know, we've got to get a in. job over at the CCO. <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's an opening. Oh, oh, wait. By the way, this was pointed out by a number of people. We had mentioned that Corey Heppler had announced his candidacy for governor. And several people sent the campaign video that he had released. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. And it's got, you know, the split rock lighthouse and oh, yeah. a lot of vintage spots in Minnesota. What? One is a really nice overhead view of a picturesque bridge in West Virginia. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yikes. Well, sometimes you got to go to where the bridge is. That's right. You know, yeah. things happen. <laughs> you got to go, go to where the bridge is. Joe Suchere. That's the quote of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you don't like uh, Joe's Rules, Kenny, you can just get your face on the very next train. There's another one. I want to get one more in. Attaboy. (laughs) 
12 to 3 to 1. You guys. Four. I have four, Chris. Four. And every time I do one, Such just goes, yeah, and then keeps going. <laughs> I know. Keeps rolling so, mine. You're so awesome, Such. <laughs> hey, after you get done looking up ELO songs on YouTube, head on over to the Garage Logic page and hit that subscribe button for us if you wouldn't mind. And also download the PodMN app to your smart device. We have the chance to win prizes just by listening, and the Garage Logic shop is still available online I, at garagelogic.com. I think I got more than what you said, and I'm counting on the GLers to count for us. <laughs> oh, God. All right, go back. If you're just now wrapping up the show, go back to the beginning and start all over it. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Josh Arnold. We call him Mr. Money Talk around these parts. And now is the time, GLers, to make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Call 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. And you call that number and you get Josh. And you're also going to get straight talk. You're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is on the line with us once again here in in Garage Logic and Josh, volatility still remains high, and there's continued worries about the Fed, I hear. Continued worries about the Fed. As a matter of fact, despite, and I say this, despite the conflict, the war in between Russia and the Ukraine, which is in all likelihood going to push up the prices of agricultural products for many months particularly as Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. And of course, that would, with agricultural products moving up, input costs into many of the foods that we eat will go up, adding to inflation worries. That is in addition to the price of oil and gas continuing to move higher, though the price of oil and gas could reverse pretty quickly should hostilities between Russia and Ukraine end and or drilling activity increases in the United States. And in my estimation, as I have talked for many, many months, you want to reduce the impact of inflation, need to drill more, need to produce more oil and gas. These are essential fuels to power our economy. The worries about the Fed came back to the fore today, though they could have had you know, a little bit of impact on the positive side yesterday, as Fed Chairman Powell spoke before yesterday, the House, today, the Senate. He did emphasize that the Fed was going to try to avoid adding uncertainty to the extent possible, but to the extent that inflation comes in higher than had been expected and or more persistent, the Fed is prepared to move aggressively by raising more than the 25 basis points that is now predicted for their March meeting. Interest rate moves of at least 25 basis points seem to be priced into the market for up to six times by the end of the year. But the inflation to me, still comes from price of oil moving up than anything else. Yes, employment is has been pretty strong. Increased wages have been pretty strong. But the Fed, quite frankly, even with raising interest rates, can't do much to cure wage inflation unless interest rates spark high enough to put the economy into a recession. 
recession, and that becomes the next dilemma that the Fed will face. How do you bring down inflation while at the same time mitigating any chance of the economy tipping into a recession? So do watch for that. Once the Fed does move, market watchers will be waiting and talking about how much the Fed is going to move and when they're going to stop. So just consider that. Meantime, the price of oil has been bouncing slightly above $100 a barrel. Oil stocks, which seem to have reached close to peaks and have moved up significantly this year, may be due for a pause. Definitely some profit-taking, not an area that I'd be running to at this juncture. I would, however, be looking at commodity-based stocks, particularly those associated with agricultural commodities and fertilizer. Do be prepared that those stocks have also spiked recently, so please wait for a little bit of a pullback with that. Meantime, retailers have been reporting numbers, and some of those numbers, at least that came out today, have been a little bit weaker than expected. BJ's Wholesale, down a big miss. Big Lots, down a miss. Burlington Coat Factory, a big miss there. American Eagle Outfitters, a miss there, and they're going to be moving more for promotions to get rid of inventory, and their costs were way up. Best Buy, their earnings were in line. The stock jumped, however, on some short covering and an increase in dividends. So Best Buy said electronic sales could drop over the coming months due to the strength over the last few years. Best Buy has been seen as a beneficiary to going into the metaverse. Me, I'm still sticking with my strategy that has worked, focusing in on companies involved in the internet, particularly Apple, Amazon, looking at some semiconductors. Those semiconductors have had a tougher time recently on concerns about interest rates, and I still like my casino names, so they can be all over the map. Caesars Palace, however, did put up some, what I thought was some very good numbers, and they're reducing some of their spending, and that should be good for them. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now is the time to make that call for that free 48-minute financial consultation, as Josh just mentioned, with all of the volatility that's in the marketplace right now. Call 952-925-5608, where you're going to get straight talk, and you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great rest of your week, sir, and we'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Thanks, Chris. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.